This is a Hot Pie Media Original. Okay, let's get right into it. Tomorrow morning, it is 9.21 p.m. right now. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to go get some help. I'm going to go to a a drug treatment facility. I'm going to go get some counseling, some therapy, and I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Not like the first time I went, uh, where I've looked at it more as a punishment. This time I'm seeing it more as an opportunity. In fact, I came to that realization that um, I heard a quote this last week, and I've been sober for a week, and um, don't want to white knuckle it, so I'm going to go get some professional help. Um, And the quote I heard is that if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. And boy, did that actually hit me pretty hard because what I realized was I'm the one that dug this hole and that I was the one doing the digging. And so it's best to stop digging. Otherwise you're making it harder on yourself. You're getting deeper and it's going to take more work to get out of it. And so it's best to not make it worse. Right. And then while I'm in that hole, I was thinking about it and man, I need some help from some real professionals that will be able to give me some tools, hopefully that I don't have, um, or maybe that I've had and not used and be able to use those, uh, to get out of this hole once and for all. That's my honest to God prayer and wish and hope and dream and go like just striving to really get it this time. I would love to see what it's like to be a person living healthy, happy, and sober. And many times I am, but there's those times that once I get in that cycle of addiction, which I actually took a note and wrote it down and I'll I'll share that with you guys and what that looks like for me personally. Um, But I want to see what I'm capable of, a life of what I'm actually capable of and not having these ups and downs and the downs always come from, from introducing some sort of substance into, into my body. So why am I doing this podcast? Why? I think the main reason is it's part of my process and hopefully it's going to be therapeutic and the treatment facility I chose it. It's the, their main mission is to help people find their purpose and if you find that your purpose is it doesn't have anything to do with using, I mean, maybe some people are okay with that. What do you really want? And for me, it cripples me. It completely hinders me, both mind, body, and I'd say heart or soul, you know? And um, it's not part of my purpose to be an addict. And it might be part of my biology. They say, professionals say this is a disease of mind and body. And yeah, you, you, you choose to use, but then something happens in the mind of an addict and an alcoholic that once they have that, they just can't stay stopped. And so thank God I was able to stop, but it was uh, definitely wasn't as dark as the time I went to treatment after attempting suicide the second time. But This time going into treatment, it it was dark enough that I'm just like, I do not want, I don't want to live this way. 
I can't keep living this way. It's going to take me out. It's going to take my life or it's going to completely hinder the life that I want to live. And so I wanted to bring it into the light. Uh, For me, I started thinking about it and bringing things into the light. um, You know, that's where you can live in truth. And, and also it's where it's where if you think of like fungus um, or mold, seeing a mold like that stuff thrives in the dark, right? It just thrives. It grows, it multiplies, it spreads and it's gross and it's, can overtake things. It can overtake the purpose that I want to live or maybe someone watching this and, um, or maybe someone, you know, and, but when you bring like this gross mold into the light, a lot of times it just barely survives. A lot of times it doesn't live there. It doesn't live there. And I see in my own addiction, I normally retreat. I normally run. I hide. I use not with people most of the time the vast majority of the time. And I just feel a lot of guilt and shame. And what's so crazy about this, I want to share a little bit of a story about my mom. And hopefully this can be a resource to some people, whether you're in my shoes and know that you're not alone. We have somebody that you've really wanted uh, to help and you can maybe take this and steer them I don't know, in the right direction, if you know someone that's going through this and maybe this will help you understand uh, a little bit of what's going on in their mind, their body, because we're going to get to some good stuff, the cycle of addiction and resources of how you can get help and and how, how, how maybe you or someone else can stop taking. So let's get into this. My mom texted me the other day and I was up in Denver and I was on a trip with Amy my partner, my significant other, the woman I want to marry, the best person to ever happen to me. She's, she's right here. She's right there. And if you're watching this on YouTube, she, there's a picture over my shoulder if you're not. And, um, and we went up there and we met with project cure. I'm the founder of a nonprofit called fight for the forgotten started 10 years ago. I'm taking a big, massive step back. Thank you to the board for supporting me going to treatment. Um, I don't want to lose this, I don't lose everything. And right now I've, I've taken a big step back and, I got to earn it back. I've told them that they've told me that more importantly and met with the chairman of our board. Who's down here in Austin, Texas now. And he had a big, big, big heart to heart with me. And so I think this is going to be a good thing once I come out of it, but we were just celebrating a month ago, a month ago, we were celebrating the biggest thing to ever happen to us. And now a month later, I'm going to rehab. Doesn't make sense probably doesn't make sense to you. And it definitely doesn't make sense to me. Um, but my mom texts me that, that someone I grew up with, um, lost their daughter by suicide. And, you know, I've, I've lost seven people this year, not including this person because I didn't necessarily know this person. I knew the person that lost her, but, um, I've lost seven people this year. Five have died by suicide. One has died by overdose. And one died of a heart attack. So one natural cause, six non-natural. And it's been hard. And I don't want to 
use any sort of excuse whatsoever because this addiction and this relapse is absolutely 100% my own responsibility. But I don't know if I, I grieved properly. I went to some funerals. I spoke at some funerals. I slept with the family, some of the families. I, I helped clean um, the homes. And it's just a lot because I've been there. I've been there and I've put my mom there. And so she texted me and sent me a photo and it was about the memorial. And she asked me to say a prayer for this, this family. And um, she said she had, I'm just going to read part of it. She said she had been clean exactly 120 days when she took her life. Wow. Uh, I don't know if she had relapsed. I don't know if, if she had just been clean and unhappy cause you can get sober and, uh, and it's not really a fulfilling life. You're taking away your solution to whatever problem that is the reason why you're using the reason you're using, you take that out and now you're stuck with yourself. And so I think depression can really set in. And oftentimes I know I have, uh, gone to substances to, take away whatever feeling that is. And that's, that's really why I'm really excited to go to treatment this time because I want to get help. And I know that the solution has been sometimes when I get really unsettled and down, it's like, I know how to numb this pain. So I want to break that chain of pain in my life. And I don't want to cause that to anyone else. I don't want them to get stuck in the cycle with me or uh, feel like they're responsible for helping me. It's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to help me. And to also ask for help from those uh, that do this as a vocation or have skills in it or have some experience. Maybe it's somebody that got sober or... um Anyways, my mom said she had been clean exactly 120 days when she took her life. I said, that's really tough. It's hard to hear, mom. But it strengthens my resolve. She goes, yep. And I love you. And she did a little kissy face. And in my phone, I have my mom in here as, as, as best mom ever. Um, I said, you'll never have to go through that pain of losing a child to suicide. I promise you that. I'm an only child, so I hope I can promise you that. Amy won't feel that. Her, girl, her girls won't. Jim and Susan won't have to again. And our fight for the forgotten donors won't have to see me go out that way. And I was to celebrate. I said, Mom, we just got a $1.5 million uh, in hospital supplies donated. That is by far the biggest donation by three times from any individual or more, more than three times than any, anybody ever. And I have all exclamation points after I go, yesterday was one of the most fun and fulfilling and happiest days of my life. You, me, we have way too much to live for. And she said, I know I could tell after your last attempt and just had a feeling that I knew that you knew and you know that God has great things for you and what you do for others. Bunch of hearts. And she says, and you know, I couldn't handle losing you like that. 
that's so, so, so awesome about yesterday and the donations, all exclamation points again. I go, you won't have to. And I know that. And I go, and yay, 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 in all caps. And it's how me and my mom text. And she goes, see what I mean about what life has in store for you and fight for the forgotten and all those people that need so much, that need help so much. They're going to have medical help. I'm dancing for joy. And if I take you back to this moment, I texted my mom, yay, yay, yay. And Amy and I looked at each other and Amy looked at me in two episodes ago, two or three episodes ago on this podcast, Overcome with Justin Wren. I I think it says Justin Wren is more inspired than ever. It's about this. It's about this Project Cure who inspired me to start my own nonprofit 10 years ago. They're incredible. They're the number one medical supply company in the world. And we're building a hospital in honor. We're building a hospital for the pygmy people and their surrounding community in Uganda. And I buried a boy one and a half years old um, 10 years ago. And it wasn't just that he died of waterborne disease. It was that his mom was enslaved, had no money. Their whole tribe was. And when she took her son to the hospital, uh, the nurse met her at the door and through discrimination, she said, you're too dirty to come in here. The second time they went, it was $1, $1 for the pills that would have cured him. And it was too late in the game for that. So he needed a shot. And so he, they begged like a whole village begged and they only got three and a half dollars of Congolese franc. It was $3 for the one shot cure. And so they went there with three and a half dollars of Congolese franc. They went with a chicken, two dozen eggs, a bag of charcoal, uh, and firewood. And the doctor met him and said, you don't get it. We won't waste our medicine on a pygmy animal and turned him away. And that's why I held him, uh, dug his grave it was $30 for the casket I buried him in. It was about $8 for the shovel that I bought, maybe $5, $6 for the shovel. So over 10 times the price for the one-shot cure. And that just messed with me. And so to be able to build a hospital for them is literally one of the happiest moments of my life, getting that donation from Project Cure. Thank you, Doug Jackson. Thank you, Project Cure. And that commitment. We got to build the hospital, but they were going to put the hospital beds, the maternity ward, a pediatrics little thing for preemies and incubators and, and kids to get, you know, medical treatment. I'm celebrating. And my mom says, I'm dancing for joy. And I have to text her back. I laughed. I showed this text to Amy and I said, Amy, look, she's dancing for joy. Amy and I had just been dancing. We had literally just been dancing for joy. Amy said she had never seen me happier. And my mom said, you, you look so happy in those Denver pics. This is a week later. You make my heart smile. Way to go on Project Cure. I don't know those guys. She doesn't know them yet. But they've been mentoring me for about 10 years and inspiring me for more than that. I don't know these guys, but you tell them your mama just loves them. And thank you so, so much. A hospital. Who would have ever thought possible? A hospital. And I, I go, a hospital. And she goes, I know. It's crazy. You're, you're good at what you do. She said, just think about how many lives being transformed and being made better. 
I go, I'm so sorry. Or I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited. I love you. I'm so excited. Um, and then like a week or two later, a week or two later, I mean, three weeks from the first time we celebrated it. And she says, remember that promise you made me? You can beat, she's, she's that she, that she would never lose me to suicide. Thank God I wasn't suicidal this time. But, but when she found out I relapsed, she goes, remember that promise you made me, you, you can beat these addictions, but it's going to take work and consistent work on your end. I love you. Please don't go. Please do not go dark. You have so much going good for you. The next day, where are you? That night, where are you? The next day, where are you? The next day, she's sending me some Bible verses and telling me that I'm supposed to shine and not be in the dark place. And um, then our executive director texts me. And actually, this was before my mom. And uh, he let me know that someone he loves died. And uh, that was a terrible situation. And I go, I'm so sorry, Jim. I love you so much. And I let him know he's not alone. Is there anything I can do? Please let me know. Would you like to talk sometime? And uh, shortly after that, this guy's like a second dad to me. He's been there for me for 10 years. and. And, uh, right now, you know, um, I've got to go get help. And, uh, um, anyways, his last text to me was, I don't know what to think other than wondering if you were using again, this is not the guy that I want to be. I guess I shared that those text messages from my mom, because this is what some of these families go through. And this is what my mom's going through. And this is what I'm going through. And I hate, hate, despise that I have put her through this. But at the same time, I'm really, I had a moment of breakthrough today and I can't wait to share it. But, um, um, I, I found a quote and I wrote it down because it says, what is defeat? What is defeat? Nothing but education, nothing but the first steps to something better. And that's, that's how I've got to look at this, this relapse and how I, I think I've really shifted in this last week because a week ago, I couldn't believe that I found myself back in the situation. Um, I mean, I could because I've been here before. But I've got so much good stuff going like that hospital. And it's not even for me. It's for someone else. And I can't, I can't mess that up. Um, I can't be the one responsible for that. Um, not happening. And okay. Um, mom, I love you. And, uh, you've listened to every podcast and you're just the best mom ever. And I, Love you so much. Thank you for supporting me going back to treatment tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going. I promise. Nothing's going to stop me. And it's my responsibility to be the best version 
of myself. And so that's what I'm going there for, mom. I promise. Uh, another story I wanted to share was with my friend, Drew, Drew McManus, who was on the podcast already. Uh, whenever I say some of these guys are my friends and some of my best friends, this one is definitely one of those. He's, he's a musician, Satsung. He's one of my last episodes. I think he's like the sixth or seventh. And Amy was recording a podcast. And I was, um, went up, I was trying to get sober and trying to sweat out the toxins. And so I jumped in the ice bath. I went to Onnit to work out. Thank you, Onnit, for supporting me. Um, and I work out with the staff who are just a bunch of beasts. It's a hard, hard workout, especially after you've been messed up. Then I went and I got in the sauna. I was trying to get this stuff out of my system and, and also just clear my head, get that foggy head out of there. And um, this is where I'm going to get into the cycle of addiction because it's so crazy. This disease is, is sly. It's cunning. It's baffling. It just confuses you at times. And I told Drew, I was like, Drew, um, I was in the sauna and all of a sudden I had a flash that I had hid a stash of marijuana, um, which oftentimes leads me back to other stuff. I'll share about that where it's the only stuff. And I feel like I can turn marijuana into Oxycontin. I was mainly an Oxycontin addict and, um, or at least that was the biggest demon I faced in addiction. But it feels like I can turn that into some opiate because I can smoke a copious amount with every single breath all day long and just be comatose, basically. If you don't believe me, you can ask some people. You can listen to Brigham Bueller, who's going to be on this podcast while I'm in rehab. Uh, I did some emergency podcasts the last couple of days just so that there's some stuff coming out and that I get to be really real and honest and vulnerable. And it was really uncomfortable hearing from him how I am whenever I'm using. Just oblivious is what he said. I feel like the most selfish person in the world. And Brigham said he's not sure it's so much selfishness as much as being just oblivious, oblivious to the commitments I've made, oblivious to the people I love, oblivious to the life I want to live. And all of a sudden I had a flash in the sauna that I hid the stash. And what's so crazy is if you've ever lived with an addict, you'll know that this is a common tendency of hiding it, whether it's hiding the usage or hiding the substances and hiding it in numerous places. Um, when they're in active addiction, when I'm not in addiction, I don't have anything. And Whenever that happens, though, it's like I go to scramble. I know I'm not supposed to be doing it. I, I, I feel full of shame and I can't stop and I hide it. And I hide it most times. Almost every time I ever hit anything is whenever I'm so messed up. I don't remember where I put it. I know that sounds crazy, but it's like I hide it from myself. And when I was at treatment the first time, I remember the story being common. Other people saying the same exact thing. And. I, I, so I, I know Amy's doing a podcast on her show and I'm headed home and now I know where the stash is. It just came to me. I don't know if my subconscious brought it up because I really do want to get sober or if it was like trying to tell me like, oh, you could go use it. But something in me was rising up saying no. And I called Brigham 
one of my best friends and he didn't answer. And then I called Drew and he's a touring musician. His song, I am impacted me so deeply when I was suicidal. That's been the, the song that's probably spoke to me more than ever. You can find it on Spotify and it can really encourage you. If you're in a low place, this will really encourage you. If you're in a great place, this will inspire you to be the best person you can be. And Drew said, or I said to Drew, I said, got a few to chat, brother. I really, really appreciate what you shared about the cruise. And I really loved how you spent $160 or whatever on FaceTime from the cruise ship to call your wife Summer. Smart move. Drew's been sober over 10 years and he had, he had thought he kind of kicked it. He hadn't had cravings or uh, really the thoughts and the mental obsession about using, getting drunk, using cocaine was his main thing. And he's on this cruise ship and he has no, uh, no privacy really. Cause it's his, I mean, people are there to listen to him. And so he was in the room and he, he sees that there's a menu and you can order liquor to your room. And he thought about doing it and thought, no one is going to know. Nobody, only him. And maybe the guy that delivers it to him. And I was in the sauna listening to that whenever all of a sudden it flashed that, oh, that's, I have a stash. And so I'm listening to him in the sauna. He shares that he talks about how he FaceTimes summer. And they said, just for today, I'm not going to use just for today. And maybe next week, maybe tomorrow, but for the, for tonight, I'm not doing it. And then in the morning we'll rethink this. And then the next morning he's like, nope, today I'm going to be sober. And it just impacted me and something about that talk, the timing of it, it, in my memory, it brought it up. I had hidden the weed in the water meter, the water meter outside. How crazy is that? I didn't want to bring it in the house. So how crazy is that? They'll put it in the elements and hide it outside. And I didn't even remember that. It was from like weeks ago. And I, so I kept going in this text message. I go, I'm going to rehab real soon next week at the latest, just trying to handle some, some stuff. And you inspired me to lean in even more and go get help. Be honest with everyone, including myself, obviously Amy. And I'm just so damn tired of these relapses, bro. It's not who I'm meant to be. I just left a work, a tough workout on it and the sauna sweating out toxins while withdrawing some. I had a flash in my mind. Uh, driving back and I still have a stash here. I hid. I think my subconscious brought it to my mind to get rid of it. That's what I really want to do either with Amy, but she's in a podcast. Anyways, I said, you have a few minutes to FaceTime so I can get rid of it with you. I want you to know I'm so grateful, brother. If you're watching on YouTube, um, but if not on Spotify or whatever, listening to it on Apple, uh, this is him in a cowboy hat. That's me there looking pretty pretty pathetic and um we're just down and he's at the grand canyon he's literally at the grand canyon on tour got to go see the grand canyon and he facetimes me thank goodness thank goodness for technology and thank goodness for service out there in the grand canyon for all the tourism so this guy could could be there for me i got home we facetime i grab it i dump the stuff in the uh in the toilet, I flush it, put it in a bag. I wet 
the pipe and some other things and I smash it up. And for a lot of people, you're not going to think weeds that big of a deal. But for me, it always leads me to other stuff. And for me, weeds a big deal. Weed makes me a shell of myself. Marijuana makes me a freaking shell of myself. And I don't like the person that I am at all. And this brings me to the cycle of addiction. For me, they, they call it a disease of body and mind. And for me, the first use, there's something that happens. I don't necessarily have what many people call the phenomenon of craving. I do when it comes to opiates and Oxycontin. But when it comes to marijuana, I don't know if I have a phenomenon of craving, but what I do is I have an allergy. It changes the way I feel my, especially with pills or it's, it's become now to where I've tried to stay away from the pills that now I'll just sprinkle in, whether it's drinking or maybe a psychedelic or, uh, uh, a barbiturate or just anything, anything that changes the way my brain chemistry works, that gives me this dopamine drip, this hit, and I go in the spiral a downward spiral. When I'm not doing that, it seems like I'm going in an upward spiral a lot of times with goals and dreams, whatever. But whenever I use a hundred percent of the time, I downward spiral and it's because this allergy happens and it sets off something in my brain that prioritizes it almost for survival. Like it can be just as important as food and water and shelter. I don't think it's as important as the people I love, but I bet if we asked them, they would say that that becomes more important than they do. And that's not who I want to be. And so what happens after that sets in, that first use, that allergy, I go on a spree. And I go until I'm I'm spun out or I'm drunk or I'm, I mean, just, I'm spun out, broke, depressed, want to kill myself, not this time, but maybe, uh, especially in other times. And when I'm, whenever I come out of it, it's like to a T, if you know an addict, you'll know that they emerge remorseful. That's the next step. It, it, like or in the cycle is like you emerge remorseful. You feel like a piece of garbage, the worst human to ever live. And you're depressed. There's self pity. You don't know what to do. You're confused. You're anxious. You're fearful. You are broken, broken hearted, broken in spirit, broken in mind. You're feel like you're in a million pieces and you don't know how to put yourself back together again. And you severely doubt if you ever could. And so in that you find something and right after merging remorseful, you back it up with a firm resolution and you swear to yourself and anyone around you, and you might be saying, sorry, 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 sorry. And what I've learned is that people don't want to hear you're sorry. They want to see action. They don't want to hear you're sorry. They don't want to hear that I'm sorry. And I am, without a doubt, I am. I'm sorry to myself that I keep doing this. But I think the part about the firm resolution is if you hooked me up to a lie detector in the past and I said I was never going to do it again, I believe it and I'd probably pass. I could tell my mom, anyone, 
Amy, woman I want to marry, that I'll never do it again. I'll tell a lawyer. I mean, I've, I've never been in trouble from it, but definitely could have been. <sighs> and uh, if they put me up on a polygraph test, I, 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 I would be willing to bet money. I'd be willing to bet my car that I would pass it. When I'm in this state, coming out of an addiction, coming out of a spree, coming out of a relapse, that I would pass saying, I'm never going to do this again. Will you ever use again? Yes or no? Hell no. Pass with flying colors. And right after that, they say in the cycle, you start white knuckling it and you didn't get help and you get restless, irritable, and discontented. And this cycles from the big book from like 1930s, 1934, a doctor named Dr. Silkworth. He was the premier guy in the world at the time. He wrote this cycle and man, did he read us like a book. He read our mail. Anyone that struggles with addiction, any real deal addict, he read our mail, our mail because you get restless, irritable, discontented, and restless to me is withdrawal, uh, foggy, cravings, anxiety, depression, anger, resentment. You resent someone that took your drugs away or the, when you got caught and actually I normally never turn it against other people. It's normally always against myself, but, but I've seen it go around and I might've been that way before, but it's just so frustrating. You're frustrated with yourself. That's that irritable. You're frustrated and discontented is how it was explained to me or how I think about it is discontent is I'm thirsty discontented is there's not enough water in the ocean in the whole world and all the great lakes and all the natural springs and all the water wells. There's not enough water in the whole world that would quench this thirst, this desire to use again. And why is that? Why is that? I think it's really because it's become the solution to something else. Um, and then you get this mental obsession. You get this mental obsession that's almost delusion. I know I'm more delusional, absolutely delusional whenever I'm using, thinking that it's helping me, thinking that's taking the edge off, thinking beforehand, thinking that, and that's this mental obsession that, that creeps up. It's, this is going to help me. I need a reset weekend. I need a night with the guys. I need to just go dip out. I've been around people for so long and I am an extrovert, but I'm probably one of the more introverted extroverts. I need some time to relax and recharge and fill back up and take care of myself. But whenever I don't take care of myself, what would take care of me? What would I care to do? Probably use. That would help. That would fix this. Whatever that under lying issue is. And what does that do? It leads back to the relapse, leads back to the relapse. And you're all in that cycle again, the first use allergy spree, you emerge remorseful, you create a firm resolution, you get restless, irritable, and discontented. You're thirsty. And you have this mental obsession that it'll be different this time that, that I can, it's been a year. It's been a year, so I can, I can probably use safely. I can probably do it this time and 
get away with it or show myself that I'm just like the rest of the normies, the rest of the people that are normal and can use and not have any repercussions that can have a normal day the next day that can actually go to get stuff done at work. And which I can sometimes fake that, but no, it's like, I'm not me. Maybe someone listening to this, this resonates with the cycle of addiction. Like if you ever find yourself just looping around and around and around, you're good for two weeks. You're down for two weeks. You're good for three months. You're down hard for a week. And then you get back up and you don't want to lose your job. You don't want to lose your wife. You don't want to lose your kids. You don't want to embarrass yourself. You don't want to let people down. You don't want to let yourself down. I don't want to let myself down. And then you do. It's so confusing. It feels like insanity. It feels like you're crazy. There's an analogy. It's called the hot stove, and that's easy to know. But addiction and substance abuse can feel like insanity. It's And what's that definition? It's doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. Start thinking about that, though, and that's that's true. But I think for an addict, it's knowing it's going to hurt because you have a hundred percent experience. There might be a time or two that was good where it might've progressively gotten worse. When you were young, you could use and, and wake up and feel good and get, get going. And you could work hard, party hard, party hard, work hard. And, but then it just gets away from you at some point, at some point it gets away from you. And people can tell me I've, I, I really dislike this about some characteristic in me and it's like, uh, but I'm, I'm really hope filled that this is going to turn around this time. Cause this time I have a different perspective. I think life's about perspective. Yeah. Probably the trajectory of your life, good or bad depends on your perspective. And I've, I felt like this, uh, this haunts me. It's been haunting me. And I almost felt like it was going to end up killing me. And this last time I was like, uh, uh-uh, it's not going to do that. I've got to get ahead of this. A coach named John Wolf, John Wolf said, um, uh, uh, he's at on it. He's, he's, he's the man. He's one of my coaches. And he said, and I've, I guess I might've heard this quote before. Uh, he couldn't believe I didn't hear it before. And Amy couldn't either, but said, uh, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So this next 30, 60, 90 days, um, I'm hoping to prevent this from happening. Get ahead of it. And that'd be worth a pound or a year, 10 years, a lifetime of sobriety by going and doing it the right time. This time, doing the work, showing up for myself and uh, getting the help that I need, educating myself, empowering myself. But man, why do I have to learn back to the hot stove? Why do I have to learn by touching the stove? The thing is, is sometimes they ask, what's your DOC, your drug of choice. I would say I have a, I have drugs of no choice, which means like, I don't have a choice. Like there, if you show them to me and they're in front of me and I'm in a down spot and I'm in this whatever. It's like, here they are. And I've, I've proven myself thousands, hundreds and hundreds of times. I can be around it and not use, but there's sometimes there's sometimes, and I don't even have to be around. If I want to use, nothing is going to stop me. I will crash through whatever, 
roadblock you put in front of me, whatever wall there is. I'll go over it, under it, around it. I'll find it. That's what I did this last time. I was like, first guy asked. I knew it. Yep, there he is. He's got some. And, but it's like the hot stoves for me or just whatever, whatever it is. I can, uh, this, okay, this, okay, this, okay. Cause I try to get away from Oxycontin so much cause it will kill me. That's like, okay, well, instead of going to that one, let me touch this hot stove. I know it's going to hurt. This one might not. Oh, it didn't hurt as bad. Well, let's try this one. And it's just burn, 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 burn. And you got the scars. You got the scars on your heart. You got the scars in your mind, but you forget. You forget, and that mental obsession makes you think it's going to be different this time. This episode of Overcome with Justin Wren is brought to you by Onnit. Onnit.com. Guess what? If you're looking at the screen on YouTube, you'll see that the Onnit Black Friday sale is coming soon, or it's right now, November 25th through December 5th. That is an incredible Black Friday sale. You're going to be saving a lot, a lot whenever it comes to on it supplements, on it fitness, and on it nutrition. Um, I absolutely love this company. I'm so grateful that they're supporting me while I am uh, in treatment. I am uh, here now with you, but as this is uh, playing, I am in treatment as you're listening to this. And the supplements right now are 25% off all products. Nutrition is 20% off all products. Fitness is 10% off all products. You can save yourself 10% on kettlebells. 20% off all products uh, with fit apparel, ex- accessories, and gear. And 50% off the Onnit 6 programs. And that is just the biggest sale they've ever had. And I'm just so grateful for them as they are supporting me going through treatment. Or just just having my back, having my back that they're not going anywhere as I go get well. So thank you so much, and make sure you save yourself quite a lot of on it on on it products for their Black Friday sale. All right, thanks so much, guys. Let's return to this episode. So this time going to treatment. How did I get there? Um, I'll tell you a story about Amy, and we just celebrated our one year anniversary yesterday. Thank God I was sober this last week because it was actually after the first couple days that were pretty rough when she saw it in my eyes, I really want it. Like, God, this, this, these last few days have been really good and goodness that actually feels like a real gift before going into treatment. I think she was worried. I might not actually go cause we were having a good, a good time, a good week, but no, I'm going, I'm going tomorrow. I'm going tomorrow. But yesterday she gave me this letter. And it said, Justin, I'm so happy we're here at this day and honestly grateful for this, this path. I believe it will lead to a great, to a greater height, uh, stronger together with more love and deeper intimacy than we ever knew possible. I love you, darling. That is my prayer and wish for us. Happy anniversary. My cosmic love. I love you. She goes happy one year to my darling, darling. My love. Um, there's a great song that we know. It's by a group called Beautiful Chorus, and it actually is a beautiful chorus. It's called Darling, and if it says Darling, Darling, never get your head down. Never let your head down. Uh, 
anyways, it's, it's got to keep your head up. Never let anything get you down. Darling, darling, not a good singer, but, uh, got to keep your head up. Never let anything get you down. And when any of us are going through something tough, we send that to the other one or, or we just have it on sometimes and it's really good. And we sing it to each other. She's a good singer. I'm not, but, uh, we had that on our anniversary, but before that, I think she was really confused, really confused. Also, rightfully so, really angry. It was valid. It was correct. It wasn't misguided. And I needed to see it because it's, she's not going to be with me if I'm like this, if I stay in that cycle. And it wasn't the first time she saw me relapse, but it was the last time. It was the last time. And I'm not saying it's the last time because of me or her or me. I, I really believe it's the last time because of me, but it's really because it's, it's both. If I relapse again, she's gone. And if rightfully so, she shouldn't be stuck in the cycle. I know that. I know that. I know that. And if you're watching this and you know someone going through it, you maybe you're married or or want to get married or you're in a relationship with someone that's an addict and you're just like, I'm done with this. Yeah, that's where she is. That's to be real honest and open. That's where she is. But she also wants this and wants me and she's so kind and gracious that she sees maybe not just who I am, but who I could be or who I am in those moments, but who I could be if I was free, if I broke free from it for real forever. And she knows me. She knows the sober me. And now she knows the addict me. And that's no bueno. That's no good. And she doesn't want that. And so let me tell you the story, how I am going to treatment. We went to dinner one time with a couple. And it was great. And man, did this guy have an incredible story of recovery. And it was really encouraging. And then we went to an event and we saw him there. And that's about it. That's about it. I mean, there's, there's, there's more, but not anyone that we really know that well. And she sent them a message. They have a foundation and they give to recovery. Uh, they give a percentage of their business to help people. And so help people get help. And she sent them a message on Instagram and they said, she said, do you all know of a good rehab, a good treatment center? The guy responded right away and goes, why? And she goes, because Justin needs to go to treatment. He needs rehab. And he said, I own one. And we have sober living houses. Let's, let's get them in. And so just like that, when she reached out, someone was there to help. And hopefully this is a lesson and this is a huge gift, an opportunity to go because that story's not done. Amy did not know that my boxing coach, who was also my sponsor in AA, who honestly I haven't worked all the steps with like I should have. I started working it really hard. Then we got an MMA and then I started focusing more on MMA 
and Fight for the Forgotten. And I started thinking, oh, I've got this. So I didn't finish my process in recovery, which I really want to do it. I really want to do it through for real and do the men's process, look people in the eyes and not just tell them I'm sorry, but ask them if there's anything I can do to make it right. At least if it's healthy, if it's not something toxic and, and isn't going to hurt them or hurt me or hurt anybody else, then I, I got to be willing to go to any length to do whatever it is to make it right if I've hurt somebody. And so, uh, that's part of the process, like manning up and doing this. The buck stops with me. And so that was really encouraging. I came home after really messing up. Amy asked me to leave. And I was coming back home to pack my stuff. I was coming back home to split up because Amy didn't want this anymore. Rightfully so. And I, I guess in these moments where I'm sober, I get it. I get it uh, in many ways, but now it's time to like put action. This is where the rubber meets the road. And I took this from Amy's bathroom. Uh, I'm holding up a post-it note into the camera and it says, I have the strength to do what needs to be done. It's really encouraging because I'll tell you what, I have a little bit of PTSD from my first time in treatment. I didn't want to go. I did, but I didn't. I drug my feet. And then when I got there, just there's some stuff, some stuff from the people that were in there with me to the people that ran it to them in their own, like the people that were running it, they were having like, uh, issues. Um, the main, one of the main people ended up leaving saying we couldn't trust anybody. Anyways, it was just like a big, it was a boot camp style, like almost like modeled after a prison camp or military camp. And they talk down to you, they cuss at you. And I'm just, and I went there for 90 days and I was one of two people in 90 days that actually stayed with the 90 day program and didn't leave early, didn't jump the fence, didn't run 14 miles or something to the nearest Walmart without their phone, without their wallet, without their ID. So that then they can hitchhike and ask Somebody get them home because they didn't like being there so much. And I stayed and I got what I needed to get for a little bit that helped me for, you know, over a year. And um, at least before I had to go back, had some slip ups, but uh, had had some falls. But man, now I'm really wanting instead of PTSD, like I'm wanting some PTG post-traumatic growth. What is that? One of my next guests will be Dr. Daniel Amen. This is his book, Your Brain is Always Listening. Your brain is always listening. Tame the hidden dragon that control your happiness, habits, and hangups. Number one, New York Times bestselling author, Daniel G. Amen, MD. You know, what's pretty neat is I get to call him a friend. I've never called him that until yesterday. And I've always called him doctor. I reached out to him the other day and I said, Dr. Amon, uh, can we have a session? I really need some help. I said, um, I'm sorry to ask this of you. I know you're really busy. I mean, I'm texting a guy that's a 12 time New York times bestselling author, two Ted talks like Miley Cyrus's doctor. He's helped three of my friends. Um, and 
and but he has served over probably studied more brains than any human in history over 150,000 i think that's actually a fact nfl players Muhammad Ali's brain my brain some other world champion mma fighters musicians 60 heads of state or something like that or 50 plus presidents uh prime ministers all sorts of stuff and i don't want to bother the guy sometimes but Amy last night picked up the book that Dr. Amon sent me. And this is one of those little just God winks from the universe. And he had sent it to me a few months back whenever it came out. And it says, to Justin, with hope, uh, love Daniel Amon. And what's neat about it is uh, there's a part in the book that talks about taming your wounded dragons taming tame the dragons from the past and that's in the first chapter and i think it's on page 32 but amy found this and she gave it to me and it says tools to tame your wounded dragons do you recognize wounded dragons in your life have you experienced trauma two find the upside if you remember the pain and trauma from the past it can help you break it from future generations if however you repress it, you are more likely to repeat it. One of my friends, UFC fighter Justin Wren, who was bullied as a child and struggled with addiction and depression, found meaning and purpose in his life by starting a foundation called Fight for the Forgotten, which aims to empower people worldwide who have been bullied or forgotten. Among many accomplishments, the foundation has helped 1,500 formerly enslaved pygmies in the jungle of the Congo gain their freedom and take ownership of 3,000 acres of land with access to clean water and farms. When trauma causes you to become stronger, it is called post-traumatic growth. I coined the term post-pandemic growth for those who have become stronger from the coronavirus outbreak. PTG happens in about 10% of people who experience traumas and includes a deepened spiritual life, a new appreciation of life, a vision for new possibilities, a positive change in relationships, and an increase in personal strength. If I can survive this, I can survive most things. <sighs> I'm supposed to be a guy that is experiencing post-traumatic growth. And I had a session with him that you're going to be able to get an inside look on in some of these episodes while I'm in treatment that are going to release probably every Monday, maybe three or four of them. And I'll end with that who we got coming up. But, you know, Dr. Amen was there for me in my lowest of lows. And he studied my brain. He did a brain scan and we can see, you can actually see what's going on in the brain. A psychiatrist doesn't have to be like throwing darts in the dark with a blindfold on and giving you medications that are like, actually like, you know, you hear the end of the commercials, this is going to kill you or you, you're going to want to kill yourself or you might want to kill yourself. So talk to a doctor and it's like poison tipped arrows, poison tipped darts that they're throwing at you sometimes. And just for your information, there's a test that's only like two or $300, a genetic test that you can get a cheek swab and it'll show you your metabolism and your biology. And if it's a red light, yellow light, green light, drug, a green light, yellow light, red light, drug, is it safe for you? Green light. 
will it, if those drugs don't work, will this yellow light drug, well, this is kind of safe, but let's monitor it in a red light drug. Hell no. Don't you ever take this drug because for your DNA, your biology, your brain, this will make you want to hurt yourself. So don't do it. My grandma lost someone this year by suicide of a good friend for years, for decades, never suicidal, always happy, great marriage, great marriage. And she took her life because she was on these depression medications. COVID, they're having to stay at home. They're not able to meet and mingle and see their grandkids and all that other stuff. And she didn't like guns. And she found a gun, took her life. It's great. It's, it's, it's wild out there. So there's help people. You can get a test, know which medications are good for your body and not. What I was going to say about Dr. Amen though, is like, wow, like I, I said this and maybe his intro, but I'm just like, I, I've, I look at this guy as my doctor. I put him on a pedestal and I'm like, and he's helping me. What he told me was brother, you have gotten better. And I think that was some encouragement to hear because you know, him calling me his friend. And I'm like, you know, the reason I doubt it, why? Because I've laid it all out there. This guy knows the good, the bad, and the really, really, really ugly. He knows my worst moments. He knows, um, he knows what's going on in my brain. He can see in scans. It's like ring of fire in my brain. That means there's PTSD there. And uh, anyways, he said, what did he say? That's powerful. And you'll, you'll hear a lot more in it. And he goes through these slides and it's really, really good. And I suggest watching it on YouTube, but he says, he says, healing isn't linear. Like growth isn't linear. Like, uh, getting better isn't linear. If you're thinking about a graph from bottom going up to the top on the other side, it's, it's like a mountain. There's ups and downs, there's ups and downs, there's ups and downs. But the thing is, is that you're getting higher, you're getting better, you're climbing that thing, you're doing the work. And that was like some real encouragement I needed to hear. So thank you, Dr. Amon. And then what else happened this week? Man, Jared, Jared Padalecki came by my house and I got an ice bath. We hugged. We played hug of war. This dude's got, I thought I had the best hugs in the world, but he's, he's a close second or I'm a close second. And so we go back and forth and he's just such a good dude. And uh, if you haven't heard his episode, he, he shares about how he went to an inpatient treatment facility after he was struggling with mental health and he became suicidal. And this is a Hollywood actor, everybody. And he's, a, he's a great man. He's salt of the earth. He's, um, you know, but he's handsome. He's, he's, he's funny. He's charismatic. He's compassionate. He's one of our donors. And I thought, oh my God, I just fudged this all up, fudged it up. This guy's never going to talk to me again (laughs) or whatever. And what if he knows? And I saw, you know, you want to keep it in the dark, but he had shared that with me. And so it was actually our executive director who let him know that, that I was, I think Jim knows that we had a connection. He he knows who I am. Um, and he knew this was, this was real. And I've known Jared for years now, but, but he reached out to Jared cause I'm down here in Austin now and I'm close. And Jared came over and I got in the ice bath and he walked 
through stuff and we were teary eyed and he told me about the book, the giving tree. I busted out, uh, the daily stoic. It was, you know, really good. And, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'll read what he read me, but a sign on president Harry Truman's desk. This is from the daily stoic Riley holiday. I'm going to take this in with me to treatment. And that day I handed it to him and it's all about acceptance, acceptance. You got to accept that you have a problem or you got to accept that you need to make a change or you got to accept that this person needs to go get help or that you need to go get help. I know I got to accept it. I need to go get help. And it says a sign uh, or the strong accept responsibility, a sign on president Harry Truman's desk read the buck stops here. As president, with more power and control than pretty much anyone else, he knew that, that good or bad, there wasn't anyone he could blame for stuff other than himself. Oof. There was no one to pass the buck to, the chain into there, in the Oval Office. As the president of our own lives, and knowing that our powers begin and end with our, our reason choice, we would do well to in, internalize the same attitude. We don't control things outside that sphere, but we do control our attitudes and our responses to those events, and that's plenty. It's enough that we go into each and every day knowing that there is no one to pass the buck to. It ends with us. I think for me, uh, I think for me, that's really good to hear. The buck stops here. This is anyone else's problem. I can't blame anybody else. I can't say I was celebrating. I can't say this person was around me. I can't say they sold it to me. I can't say people, places, things. I can't say I was triggered. I can learn about what that means. But I know a lot of old school AA people don't believe in triggers. Like then you'll blame if, if you have to move away, you can't go to Thanksgiving because grandma's going to have a glass of wine. You can't go to Christmas dinner with your wife because her family drinks. That's no way to live. You can't go to the gas station inside because they sell beer. You, you can't live in Colorado because they legalize marijuana. You can't go here or there, whatever. Right. And so you always blame somebody else. And I think there's an analogy in the big book that says you'd have to move to like a snow cap or whatever in Greenland. But then the second an Eskimo drives by with some sled dogs and has a bottle of whiskey, it was his fault. You relapsed. Wow. I got to own it. I got to own it. What does that mean? What does it mean owning it? It's my responsibility. And what's addiction? A good, a good definition of addiction, substance abuse. Addiction is giving up everything for one thing. But recovery, or living a healthy life, staying stopped, is giving up one thing for everything. I love that. Addiction is giving up everything for one thing, and recovery is giving up one thing for everything. You know, Drew texted me 
uh, I actually asked him if he'd do a guest episode. I just did his podcast and I was like, what if we threw that on my show? Um, so people can hear from me, but hear from you. And what if they could hear from your side of the story and your sobriety journey and some stuff like that and all, all together. I asked him if you do an intro for my episode with him. And if you just riff, you just let it out, kind of tell his story from the cruise ship so you could hear it and how he called his wife, spent 160 bucks. So he could FaceTime her from a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean. Probably the smartest 160 bucks he ever spent. Why? Because he's going to go home to his wife that he loves and his kids. He's not going to lose them. He's not going to spin out. And he's still got 10 years sober. Wow. That's awesome. But here's the thing. I also want to speak to you guys that if you've, I've lost people because they relapse and let's say they run a sober living home or let's say they are the, the director of a rehab uh, for drug rehabilitation or a drug treatment facility and they can't live honestly. And they have seven years. One of my friends this year had seven years clean. He was the lead guy. He had a whole team under him. He was helping hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at his own treatment facility. He was inspiring thousands of people around the country, maybe tens of thousands, maybe more than that. And when he relapsed, his wife went out of town, had a child at home, an infant, and he literally relapsed, felt so bad about it, he died. He died. Maybe it was an overdose, maybe it was suicide. And just one last time, just one last time, died. Or I can't, I, I won't escape this. I feel so much shame. I just got to end it. Oof, that's brutal. So I asked Drew and he gave me some wisdom. He said he's going to do the podcast. And then he said this about going into treatment. I thought it was a really good perspective. Hey, dude, I'll absolutely do that. Um, I get home next Tuesday um, and I'll absolutely do that uh, as soon as I get home. Um, yeah, man, get in there and um, and do work. And like I said, go past the addiction, man. The addiction is just a symptom of the deeper shit. So dive into the deeper shit. Um, you know, what's the thing that makes you revert? What's the thing that makes you want to use in the first place? Um, and why are you so attached to those stories? Um, so, yeah, I love you so much, my guy. Hmm. Truly, truly love you so much. Um, but I'll do that podcast as soon as I get home and I will uh, I'll send it over to Amy. Love you, dude. God. I am really lucky to have some really good people in my life and I don't know how anyone makes it past. I don't know anyone. I don't know how anyone wins against this opponent if they don't have good help and people do it. People do it for sure. But I think my mom saved my life. I think knowing what it would have done to her if I did commit suicide, although I still tried twice. Um, but there's been several times that, that she just thinking of her, what it would do to her. And then, you know, this time having people and purpose to live for Amy, I want to get married, not just because she's good to me, but because she's good for me. She doesn't let me continue in the cycle of addiction or she calls me higher, invites me to something else to live a better 
life, a more productive life. Now, um, some of y'all heard the story. If you follow my Instagram at the big pygmy, you'll have seen the story. It was a hashtag, uh, miracle smile, Chris. I was at on it gym and a guy ran up to me and he gave me this big hug. He gave me a big hug and it was like a kamikaze hug. I like didn't see it coming and heard footsteps running up on me. It was after the workout. I was trying to get over to jujitsu after strength and conditioning. I turn around, he tackle hugs me almost and he has tears in his eyes. He has tears in his eyes and he says, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. And I say, Hey buddy, you got to help me out. What's that mean? And he laughs and he wipes a tear literally and says the Brooklyn bridge. And I go, Oh, wow. And I just pull him back in for a bigger, tighter, longer hug and sweaty. One of the sweatiest hugs ever. And, uh, and no one else knows what that means right now, but it means a lot to me because earlier in the year, right before Dustin Poirier fought Conor McGregor and he was raising funds for fight for the forgotten. Thank you so much, Dustin. Thank you, bro. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm here. I really am. And I'm going to, I'm going to get this. Maybe after this treatment center, I can say paid in full. I did the work. I did the work. I did the work and, uh, come back stronger. It's a setup. It's a setback, but it's a setup for a stronger comeback. I'm sure that's something that like you would say, bro. And, I get on Instagram live and a guy had messaged me earlier in the year, January 27th. I got a message same day. My Joe Rogan podcast released and my last one. And, uh, he hugs me and says, I'm the guy from the Brooklyn bridge. And also it clicked on me, clicked in my head. I was made the connection. I was like, Oh, whenever I got in the ice bath before Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor fight fought, I did a Instagram live just, no, I did a, uh, yeah. And a guy jumps on there and goes, Hey, I just wanted to say to you that, um, your story saved my life, that I was, I was determined. I was jumped in Harlem on the subway station by seven men. Um, some were younger. It was like a gang and they hit them in, they hit them with a baseball bat, um, four or five times in the head three or four times in the head and he was in the ICU. He lost nine teeth. Others were badly damaged, cracked, broken, shattered. And, uh, COVID had hit. He lost his job on wall street. He flared up an addiction. He got jumped by a gang. He was in the ICU. Uh, the pain was so bad in his teeth. He kept using to try to numb the pain and it was stuck in the cycle of addiction. He had emerged remorseful. He had made the firm resolution, the mental obsessions there. He's restless, irritable, discontented. He's in pain. He's like, I've got to, and he just couldn't break free. And he decides to walk to the Brooklyn bridge and jump off of it on his walk. He gets a notification on his phone and it says, Joe Rogan dropped a new episode with Justin Wren. Chris, I think, said he listened to all my other ones. There's like eight episodes. He's listened to all the Joe Rogan episodes. That's why he's listened to all mine. Um, and he's like, huh. And he pulls it up, listens to it, just tries to drown out the sounds as he walks from 101st Street down to the Brooklyn Bridge. That's 101 blocks. So he got to listen to like an hour of it. 
and us both looking back at it now, you can see me. And guys, I shared on Joe Rogan's this last time how I went to treatment, how I attempted suicide, and how I'm determined, determined to get it right that time. And then we're right back here. Uh, Chris, because my story gave me that hug, the very next day I went to a drug treatment facility and I spoke and I shared my story of recovery with my boxing coach, Jeffrey Meadows, who's going to be a guest on the show while I'm in treatment. I already filmed it with him and he shares his story and my sparring partner and After that, uh, in the Q&A, a kid spoke up and he said, he said, this is crazy. Yesterday, we learned about vulnerability and I shared that I want to be an MMA fighter. And he said, and today, this is one of the youngest people in the room, he said, and today we learned about synchronicity. And today, you're, you're here, an MMA fighter with your boxing coach who's in recovery, that's your sponsor, and your sparring partner who's in recovery. And you're all three here sharing your stories because that's wild. I go, really? Well, how about this? Yesterday, I met a guy named Chris. He ran up to me. You're talking about synchronicities, being vulnerable. I shared my story on Joe Rogan's podcast. And if it helped, and I thought if it helps just one person, just one person, then it's all worth it. And I got to tell Chris that he's my one. He was the reason that I got real uncomfortable, opened up and shared. In fact, if it wasn't for Chris, I probably wouldn't be doing this right now. I wouldn't be sharing the story. I'd be hiding in shame. I'd be hiding in the dark. If it was for my mom, Amy, Chris, fight for the free out and board on it, supporting all this and me, I wouldn't be able to do this right now. And so I'm trying to lean in and share. And then uh, I, I, what was crazy was right before I went into the treatment facility, though, Chris asked me for the picture we took together. I had a little better phone, iPhone. So I took it. And so I sent it to him on Instagram and while I'm sitting there, I get a message and it's from Chris. So I opened it up. It was actually 30 minutes before I got in there. So let me tell the story, right? I get in there. He had just sent me that. He goes, Oh man, I love our picture together. The only thing is my goofy smile. I was covering my teeth because I got jumped. So from that, uh, if you listen to the podcast before, you'll you have heard the story. I I say that he he lost nine teeth, and I said, but I messaged him, hey man, teeth are small potatoes. Like uh, you're here, you didn't jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. You didn't do it. He said that he was on the planks. I actually have been there with, to the bridge with him now, to the bridge with Chris. I walked the same walk where he decided he was going to kill himself. And then I shared my story of addiction, breaking free, at least what I had thought was free at that time. And you know what? Maybe relapse sometimes is just a part of recovery until you get it. Maybe relapse, it happens, it happens, it happens until you decide that you're going to be relentless. You're not going to let your foot off the gas. You're going to recover. You're going to keep helping people. You're going to keep being honest. You're going to keep doing all the right things. And so I share that story later. Someone else runs up on me. It's the videographer that's there for the treatment facility that got my story. And he runs up and he goes, Justin, Justin, I turn around. He goes, Hey, 
can talking about synchronicity and vulnerability. Can I tell you about my yesterday? And Jason said he had gotten hired by a dentist uh, to help people in recovery that are wanting to get sober, that have had problems with their teeth, get new smiles. How crazy is that? He goes, can I call the dentist? Can we see if we can help Chris? He told me to keep my antenna up and to look out for people. I was like, yes, let's do it. So Chris uh, has become a really great friend. He got a brand new smile. It's probably $60,000 of like material and labor and all that stuff. I think the dentist, Dr. Dave Frank at Walden Dental. I love you, brother. I don't know if you're going to see this, but I'm really, really grateful for you and our friendship. He put in overtime two days in a row, 12 hours a day. He fixed Chris's teeth back to back days. Uh, Sorry, 10 hours a day. It was 20 hours of dental work, basically, from like 7 a.m. to like, I don't know, 6 p.m. each day or 5 p.m. each day or 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., something like that. And uh, 8 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. to get it right or something like that. Anyways, it doesn't matter the time. What matters is that Chris got a brand new smile. He's doing well. He's five months sober. We went to New York. We celebrated. He was there with me for the Teddy Atlas podcast that is on Overcome with Justin Wren. And whenever I relapsed, I thought, I really let this guy down. I really let him down. But he reminded me of um, what I told him on the bridge. And what I told him on the bridge was, Chris, man, look, you have a relapse, man. I know you got brand new teeth. He was struggling with some uh, imposter syndrome. And he was, I was like, you know, if you relapse, don't die, bro. If you have a year and you relapse and it's one day, I'm not giving you an excuse to use, but I'm saying don't die, bro. Don't kill yourself. Don't let the drugs kill you and don't do it yourself. I just know that if you've had a year sober, five months sober, and you slip up once. Like that's a pretty good average. Baseball teams, basketball teams, they don't, they don't have a, they're not batting a thousand. They're not undefeated. The NBA champions, sometimes the Super Bowl champion has a loss on their record. Or the NCAA champion, like it, it, it can happen. You lose sometimes. You win some, you lose some. It doesn't mean you got to die. And I told him that, and today I had a moment where I had a pretty big breakthrough for me personally. A couple of things I'm going to be taking in with me. Obstacle is the way, the timeless art of turning your trials into triumph. Ryan Holiday, he might be on the podcast. We've been talking about it. Courage is calling, another one for him. A lot of uh, people in recovery, at least me, are in a stoic philosophy. That's going to be this whole sleeve. There's Marcus Aurelius on my bicep if you're watching uh, on YouTube. Um, And Chris gave me this book from our friend Khalil, I Forgot to Die. It's our friend that started Sun Life Organics. And Anyways, um, this book, this book right here, this is the one that means a lot. Love yourself like your life depends on it. Kamal R. I can't read it backwards. 
but love yourself like your life depends on it. Amy gave me this book, Amy Edwards. She said, she gave it to me. She said, read it. And I said, love yourself like your life depends on it. She goes, why? And I go, why? She goes, because it does, Justin. It does. You don't have to depend on anyone else's love for you. You got to love you. And yes, we all want to be loved. But if everyone else in the world loves us, but we don't love ourselves, then you're still not going to have the life you're supposed to. Look, if you believe God loves you or your mom loves you or your friends love you or your daughter loves you or your sister, brother, uncle, a friend loves you. Why can't, why can't we do it? We got to be able to love ourselves like our life depends on it because it does. Because it does. Why is that important? Because Chris sent me this. He, I said, I'm so grateful for you, brother. Thank you for the really kind message yesterday. Spent today with him. Uh, he's going to be driving my car while I'm in treatment. And uh, uh, he's helping me with the podcast, getting clips. Um, he's the man. And he said, it's mutual, brother. You deserve it. I'm truly proud uh, to call you for, call you that. I'm not just trying to read encouraging messages, but, but it gets somewhere. It says, Hope you're taking your morning to meditate and practice some self-care. And I'm proud of you for not beating the shit out of yourself for relapsing. When you would tell people about the previous relapse, you would sound like you were punishing yourself. Ready for this one? Love yourself like your life depends on it. Because it does, brother. Last thing, then I got to get back to work. Text me later and let me know the plan. And the reason there's a plan is because Chris, the one that I got to help, is now going to be the one helping me. He's driving me to treatment. He's helping the podcast, but he's literally there for me in the greatest time of need. And this is what he sent me. He said, last thing, do me a favor, go back to the mirror. And. I was like, sounds familiar. Say, I love myself. Uh, and I was like, wait, what? Didn't I, didn't I send him this? And I'm like, oh, he just flipped it on me. He flipped it on me. I took some of the stuff in the book. I, I, I ad-libbed some other stuff. And I sent it to him after he got his brand new smile. And I said, brother, you got to go do this. He sent me a picture of him smiling, him, the dentist, and it was a video of him like looking away and then looking into it and smiling and looking away and looking into it and smiling. And, uh, and then I knew he was going to be like me. He's probably going to be dealing with some imposter syndrome. He was probably going to be feeling like he doesn't really deserve this. And that we bet on the wrong horse. That me helping him that this docu-series crew that was filming the story, that the dentist that gave all his time, energy, money, all that stuff, that he bet on the wrong horse. He got the wrong guy. So I wrote him this, and he sent it back to me. Stinker. You're a stinker, Chris, and you're going to watch this. And uh, this morning, I, I had to read this. And at a moment where I broke down crying as I said it, and I mean cry crying, I could hardly get the words out, but then I started to declare it. 
So Chris, thank you for sending this to me. It says, do me a favor, go back to the mirror, say, I love my, I love myself. I love you, Justin. I love you, Justin Wren. As I'm saying this, maybe you could say it about yourself. Maybe you're in a really dark place. Maybe you're in a dark time. Maybe, maybe you need to send this to somebody so that they can say this over themselves. Because sometimes it doesn't hit the same way when someone else says it to you as whenever you say it and believe it and feel it and let it sink down into your heart. I love myself. I love you, Justin. I love you, Justin Wren. I love you, Justin Christopher. Hopefully one day, Edwards Wren. I vow to love you like your life depends on it. Why? Because it does. I love you, Justin. I'm a handsome gentleman. I'm a sober gentleman now. I'll put in the work, the dedication, the time, the energy. I'm committed. Freestyle it now. And when I got to this part, that's where I broke down. Because I said, you're going to do it this time for real. You got to. You got it. And I just, I just flowed with something that came straight from my heart. I can't try to fake it and repeat it. It was just something that came and flowed through me for a minute or so, or maybe a little less, but it was, it was powerful. And Amy was sitting on the couch and she was watching me and I was just like trying to really do it. I go end with, I love you. You fucking handsome man. My life is changing. I'll continue to change my life. I invite in love, purpose, passion, friends, support. I accept it. I'll pursue it. I will have it. I receive it. I receive love. I love myself. Self-love is some of the most important love in the world. I have it now. I won't let it go. I'll develop it, grow it, show it. My recovery is important to my success. I will prioritize it. I will prioritize myself. I will prioritize my recovery to be the person I'm supposed to be. I will show myself self-love. I love you, Justin. I love you, Justin Wren. I love you, Justin Christopher. Hopefully someday, Edwards Wren. It's going to be another epic day. My life is changing. My life is forever changed. I will help people. I will love them. And most importantly, I will love myself so I can show others the love they deserve. I deserve to be here. I deserve this kind of radical love. I will show myself that same kind of love. Let's have an epic day. I will rise up and overcome. I love you, Justin. You fucking handsome gentleman. Now smile and look yourself in the heart and look yourself in the eyes for five to ten seconds each. Oh, Chris, you pulled a fast one on me, man. I wept, cried. Amy hugged me, and I felt it for the first time. I've done the exercises in the book, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. They were really great. But man, like doing it from something that I really wrote, and I wrote to you because Amy told you or you were handsome, and you didn't see it because your teeth, your smile was jacked up because it was robbed from you. And now I just want you to know, man, your gift your gift to me. You thought you thought I was the gift to you. And so I want you to hear that uh you're the gift. And we're a gift to each other. And so I love you, brother. 
And if you're listening to this and you haven't really experienced self-love before, there's some easy ways to do it. Maybe you're not an addict. Maybe you're not depressed and never dealt with suicidal thoughts. But we can do some things to really love ourselves, whether it's get more sleep. I think if we got more sleep, drank more water, ate more regularly or ate healthier, like that would be a game changer in most of our lives. We'd be well rested. We wouldn't have headaches. We'd have a full belly. We could think clearer. We could react better. And then ice baths, all this stuff. I don't need to make this on and on, but if you are someone like me or Chris and you've struggled with addiction and you've had it in the dark, it's time to bring it into the light because that's how you get help. That's where healing happens when you face it, when the buck stops with you. And I'm saying this and man, I've got a long road ahead, but the journey to a thousand miles starts with a single step. I get to start that tomorrow and all success stories begin with a dream. And so my dream is to be 10 years sober for the rest of my life. But like, I wonder what 10 years would be like 10 years, just even just a year. What about if I just do it day by day to get there though? Right. Keep it simple. Silly <laughs> for me. Keep it simple. Silly. I love you, but you're silly. It's tired. I'm tired of doing this. We've got a couple of closing things. Um, got a couple of thank yous. Thank you to the fight for the forgotten board. Um, you know, for protecting the organization from even the founder, you know, I'm taking a big step back. Thank you for stepping up. And I love you. Love you. Love you. Jim, Susan, Matthew, you are three saints. You're salt of the earth. And I get way too much credit. Thank you, Angie. Thank you, Chad, who helped with uh, the website and like marketing design, like helping us get donations. Thank you to the board of directors. Really, really, really this time around. Thank you, Jeff Higgs. Our, uh, our chairman of our board. Um, he's a surgeon. He's worked with like the Patriots and all sorts of professional sports teams, Harvard, Columbia. He's an incredibly amazing guy. He'll never tell you that. Sorry. I told people that Jeff, but he's phenomenally smart. And he told me something about psychodrama. I'm taking that in. I talked to Dr. Eamon about it on the podcast, that episodes to come, but uh, I'm really excited to dig into that. Uh, here on this recovery journey for the next 30, 60, 90 days, whatever it is I need. Project Cure, thank you, thank you, thank you. I believe because we're more than just brand new partners, you guys inspired me to do this, and y'all are close friends, and we've had dinner at y'all's home. I assume that the hospital project, uh, I believe, I've uh, in good faith, I believe that, not, not good faith on y'all's part, just... Just I believe that this is still going to happen, and I'm really, really looking forward to that. Uh, thank you, Doug Jackson. Thank you, Engineers Without Borders, uh, because we're having y'all already helped design the houses, and now we're helping design a, a hub 
like a community development hub with a hospital, a medical clinic, a maternity ward, a, a maybe a dental suite, a, a training center so that we can train doctors from maybe the University of Nebraska Medical School and University of Mexico's, uh, maybe that's Peace Engineers. We can have live trainings there because of this post or, I mean, this post-COVID world, like everyone's digital Zooms, we can literally have a technology center, just a room where we get to train some of the doctors, nurses, and different kinds of procedures and engineers on how to do better buildings, even from the United States. We don't have to go there. Whoa, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Conscious Coalition, you guys have been in the trenches with us this whole project. Thank you for being there to train them on and also at this technology center or community development center. What? What? We're going to do a conflict resolution like we've already been doing between some of these tribes that have like tribal warfare. We're going to do women's empowerment. Let some of those husbands know you don't beat your wives. Let uh, them know you don't do that to their children. But women's empowerment, that they can have jobs, that they can go to school, that they can be educated. They can be doctors and nurses and they can be rock stars, politicians, all that different stuff. Like they are equal to us. Um, and thank you, Conscious Coalition, for all the leadership training you're going to do. You've already been doing it. We've been doing it alongside you. Y'all have supported us so much in water wells. Y'all do community development. We love you. Tech Water, Uganda, BTAC, you're a hero of mine. A hero, a hero. You are our team leader there. When I'm not there, boots on the ground, your boots on the ground all the time. You've transformed hundreds of villages in your own country. I love you. Hot Pie Media, thank you so much. That's where this podcast is hosted. Hot Pie Media, thank you for taking care of Amy Edwards, the Amy Edwards Show. Thank you for helping take care of my show. Um, thank you, Amy, for being the producer of this show. I love you, darling. And I'm going to go get better. Guess what I'm taking with me to treatment? I'm taking, uh, my favorite picture of us from, uh, the birthday dinner and taking the other one of you. The lighting look, makes you look dark or tan or me pink. But anyways, two pictures of us and the books you got me to and the anniversary card on it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having my back. I, uh, one of the last stories I'll share is that I got to go to the gym today. I've been speaking with, I'm on it pro team member. They sponsor the podcast. So I, um, I just got to be really real and honest. First one was John Wolf, coach John. Um, he's basically their chief executive of like everything fitness, all the workouts, all the kettlebells, all that stuff. He's, he's the guy. And, um, he's the one that shared an ounce of prevention. It's worth a pound of cure. And sometimes it was just land at different times, you know, and thank you for sharing that with me. I think it was the first time I heard it still, but, uh, I got to go into the workout today with all the staff, all the coaches, and I got to look everyone in the eyes and I'd already been communicating with some of them yesterday. Thor, Brian, you were so good to me. Uh, one of our veterans who's also a coach there who's struggled. He's really real with me and honest. Want it. All these guys, uh, Keith, Paul, Taylor, um, all of them just have been so good saying, just go get well, bro. Just go get well. Take care of you. Take care of you. Take care of you. And that shows me who you guys are. Jared Padalecki, thank you. Thank you for coming over the other day. He also came by the the podcast network just gave everyone hugs bro if you happen to see this this is the giving tree he gave it to me i don't want to spoil it but i'm definitely taking this into therapy it's a kid's book 
but it was absolutely, I wouldn't know if, I don't know, Amy, Amy cried. I cried. I don't know if I'd say it was awesome, but it got me thinking and I know what I got out of it. I can't wait to get out of treatment and to, uh, share that with you. Oh, uh, one last thing that Jared sent. This was awesome. Jared sent me this. He said, he just texted me this earlier. He said, thinking about you, brother, uh, just heard something that meant a lot to me. When you're down, don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Anyway, I know you're going to travel down the road on a great and important journey tomorrow, a journey you traveled before. Much like our military will do an additional tour and put themselves back uh and put themselves back uh, into the fire in order to make the world a better place. You are, you are willing to go back into the fire to make you uh, better, thereby continuing to make the world a better place. Thank you for your sacrifice. Give it your absolute hundred percent. I know you will. You got this now as always love you, brother. Looking forward to seeing you on the flip side, man, that message deeply impacted me uh, because it's like, whoa, going back into the fire. Honestly, that's Amy obviously prompted it, but I knew this is what I was going to do. I had to, I needed to, I'm done with this mental obsession, the cycle of addiction, feeling defeated. You know what? But what's really neat this time is I'm not going to treatment feeling defeated. I'm actually going to it this time for an education, right? What was that quote again? What is defeat? Nothing but education. Nothing but the first steps to something better. Yes. Let's go get that. Something better. And so, wow. I am so grateful for the opportunity to go back into the fire, be forged by the fire. And to give up one thing, substances. Once and for all, finally, giving that up for everything so I can live the life that I want. To close, we've got a few episodes. Brigham Bueller is coming up. It's my one of my best friends who's seen me relapse, who you will hear the good, bad, and ugly from. But you will hear about his company, Ways Too Well. It's changing the game in healthcare. It's not, it's not, it's not sick care. It's real healthcare. It's not the broken system. It's preventative medicine. It's regenerative medicine. It's integrative medicine. It's functional medicine. And it is the wave of the future. It's for real how we're going to live to 120. My friend David Sinclair says uh, in Lifespan, he says uh, the subtitle is why 120 is the new 80. It's proven scientifically. He's from Harvard and he's been studying mice brains and shows, told me, he'll show me how to reverse them in age. Anyways, Brigham is on the podcast. He's an incredible guy. You're going to love him. Dr. Daniel Amen, my doctor and friend, Daniel Amen. And when I said that about him, I, I, I knew deep down, but you have insecurities. I knew this guy was my friend. He's always been there for me. He is a modern day saint in his own right. Uh, I've been on his podcast. We might have a guest episode from him on this. Uh, if not, we'll go to Jeffrey Meadows. 
well, live train live therapy session with Daniel Amen on here that he goes through a new 12 step process. That's really good. It brings neuroscience into like 80 year old uh, material and he revamped it and changed him up a little bit. And it's really good. Jeffrey Meadows, my boxing coach and sponsor. Not only is he going to be there with me every day at the first ever combat sports training facility ever of any treatment center in the U.S. How crazy is that? Ah, that's the other part. Amy said, I'm not trying to ramble, but Amy hit up this guy. They own this stuff. And then not only that, my boxing coach, sparring partner, that's just another little God wink from the universe, right? Um, saying I'm on the right path. That, or that this is, these are the right steps to take. Keep going. Keep headed forward. And then uh, after that, we might have some guest episodes. Drew said he's going to get my episode up there and he's going to do an intro. I think he'll make it really heartfelt. Amy, our, our episode with her. Uh, my episode on her show was her first podcast ever for the Amy Edwards show. Please subscribe, like, rate, review that if you've been listening. I know plenty of my listeners have been listening to her show too. And please, if you haven't heard it, please go to her show. It's amazing. She's a wonderful woman. She's a firecracker. She's powerful. You're going to love her. And then Aaron Alexander. Uh, Aaron Alexander, I did his show on the Line podcast. He's one of my great friends. He helps me out on it all the time. And uh, he's like basically strength conditioning coaches for like Toby McGuire. Uh, not Matthew McConaughey, Gerard, Gerard Butler. And he's an incredible, incredible, incredible dude. And uh, I love him. He's also hilarious. And he asked some really good questions that dug deep into being bullied. I found out that I don't like sticky hands ever. I've never liked it. Well, after a bullying moment where I was dressed up in a costume and I had duct tape on me, I threw it all away and my hands are sticky. I threw it away in a dumpster. And uh, anyways, uh, we did, we get into that. He starts asking some really, really, really good questions. Well, it is exactly 11. Oh, it just turned to 1101. It's 11.01 PM. I need to go get some rest because in the morning I pack and I head to treatment for the second time. But the first time I don't know that I got everything that I needed helped for a while. Uh, but I don't know that I actually got into the underlying root issues. I think I was more punishing myself and thought I need to attack what's been attacking me. I need to beat this out of me. I need to be aggressive towards it. I need to hate this side of me. And, um, Amy said, why don't you try loving yourself this time through it? Seems reasonable. Love yourself like your life depends on it. Why? Because it does. If you like this episode, uh, I don't know if you just like this episode. If you if you know someone that needs help, please send it to them. That would be the biggest thing. The reason I went to this treatment facility is because they said that they really want to help people who then will in turn go and help somebody else. That's what this is for. I'm trying to help myself. And if this helped you at all, gave you some insight, you know, someone struggling this post COVID world, boy, oh boy, does it, uh, it's, it's awesome too. It's awesome. But man, people are dropping like flies from addiction, substance abuse, depression, suicide. There's a real mental health epidemic going on. I think that 
when we look back in a decade or two, we'll see that the numbers were just as bad, if not worse. Listen, I'm not a statistician. I don't know that to be true or a fact. But at the same time, I know more people that died from suicide, for sure. So um, be safe out there, my friends. Do whatever you feel is right, but ask for help. Live in the light. Stay safe and always from COVID, but go get some sun, drink some water, take some vitamins, and go get some therapy, would you? I'm going to. All right. Much love, everybody. And God bless you. Rise up. Overcome. This has been Overcome with Justin Redden. What a unique episode. Hey, don't forget to send your Overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Redden.